I'm David Stoker, and I want to welcome you to the Better Life and Recovery hashtag Hope Dealer Movement podcast. As a visible and vocal member of the recovery community since 2009, I'm frequently asked questions and for advice from people all the time. Some are curious, some are still using, some are in recovery, and some people just care about somebody who's currently struggling with a hurt habit or hangout. If people in my community have those questions, I guarantee that people everywhere are looking for answers as well. We started this podcast to give you answers and support because not only is recovery real, it is amazing. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, I believe this week we will be talking with Josh, who is the peer engagement coordinator for the Springfield Recovery Community Center. Yeah, he's excited about it. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to try some where it's not just me. And I think Josh is one of those passionate people that's going to come in and have a lot to add, even if it's just a really loud voice and yep. some charisma. I got it. So we need somebody to make up for my lack of charisma and my uh, introversion. Yeah, that's exact, exactly it. And I think Josh is that guy. So today, we're going to rehash something that I believe we talked about early on, but it's... Uh, the phrase hope dealer. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I, I realize that uh, sometimes people may have taken this the wrong way. Uh, and I know it's overplayed in our community. There's hope dealer everywhere. And there should be. You know, I think that's one of the problems is people are calling themselves the hope dealer, not a hope dealer. You know, I love the hashtag Hope Dealer and the Hope Dealer movement because the movement is about people who have gone through things. And I always say, you know, for me, I have I live with, uh, you know, an overcomer of childhood physical and sexual abuse. Um, I have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder, uh, and we won't even get into all the other disorders I've been diagnosed with in the past that were mostly wrong. Because I had an active substance use disorder and I wasn't forthcoming about that. Mm-hmm. But the bipolar, I am blessed to say I'm a third generation person with the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Of course, back then they called it manic depression. Is what they uh, said my grandma and my father both were. And unfortunately, uh, there's suicides that that carries with it. And I guess that's something else I'm an overcomer of. Amen. Is uh, I'm an, I have uh, survived uh, suicide attempts. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, let's see, homelessness on occasion, in fact, for extended period of time there for a while, mm. where it was either couch surfing to sleeping in tents in the wood or sleeping uh, un- under a bridge. I found out when I was younger that if the park, you know, those curvy slides, mm. I love the curvy slides because they always had a cover over the very top of them, so you could get up in that. Wedge or something. Yeah, and it kept you out of the elements, so... Uh, yeah, weird things you learn. Um, donut shops are an amazing place to go to get food uh, because they typically throw their food away in a box, whereas most places don't. So I learned that lesson early on. Uh, so what are some things you might have overcame, Josh? What I think about when you say that when this uh, is, honestly, as um, a young adult... Um, I was really successful. I was really good at what I did, and I made money and um, built my first house. I was married young, built my fir- first house when I was uh, 22, you know, in Phoenix. And um, 
I talk about this a lot, but it looked like from the outside that I had it all together. But behind closed doors, I was, I was juggling chainsaws. You know, I was, like, I was doing drugs and drinking and lying and cheating and stealing and just. Um, there's a scripture that talks about you know the wages of sin is that right. is, is death. And um, for some reason, I, I think I believe that didn't apply to me. And um, I ended up burning that all down around me into ashes. You know, we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast. Um, and I burned it down to all ashes around me. And so when I think about what I overcame, um, it's um, it's not only did I, through God's help and his strength, did I overcome that addiction, did I overcome being a liar and a manipulator, but I also overcome having everything in my hand and losing it all. You know, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm at a point back now in my life where I'm rebuilding those things, you know, where I have... Um, a real adult life again. That makes sense. Yeah. So you're kind of overcoming a stock market crash, right? <laughs> Dude, right? It's good. Yeah. Because that's kind of what happened. I mean, you have all this stuff and it's looking great, and all of a sudden, the bottom drops out of the market, and now you have nothing. Nothing. You know, and it's it's funny. Um, I remember at one point where um, I was living in, a, in an unfinished basement, and. Um, you know, strangers would come in and use my shower that I didn't even know because the guy that owned the house would let them come in. To, and I would just be sleep, I was sleeping on a cot in this unfinished basement, and um, I had no keys, which is a weird thing to say, but I had no keys. You know, I didn't have, didn't have need for a car or need to lock my doors or because I couldn't lock them anyways. And so I had not no, even low key, just no key. <laughs> no key, not even low key, no key. Yes. Okay. And um, I, I think about now, you know, and, and I, I have a key ring full of keys. The things that matter, you know, and it, and it, it really represents in my life um, overcoming something, somewhere where I was not supposed to come back from. And keys know? have matter, too. <laughs> they're all, they're all made of matter. matter. We, that's like physical, yes. right? We got, yes. You Absolutely. got that double entendre out of it. That's good. Uh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. We got this all figured out. So, uh-huh. so yeah, needless to say, we're going to be like two squirrels just running yeah. down random yeah. holes right. as we get to them. So back to what I was saying, though, is we, a hope dealer is somebody who has overcame things and it could be something like what we've overcome it could be i always say it could be like a cancer diagnosis Mm -hmm. um you know uh it could be uh codependency it could be power and control issues it could be i don't know what are some other things well you think about some of the addictions out there these days is like pornography people overcoming that in their life that's a huge thing you know overcoming that or uh, like you said the codependency i think that's a huge one as well it is and and you know I, when I think of pornography, I think of, uh, you know, I, I, I could hit this from a faith-based perspective, but I'll hit it from a secular perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because faith-based, of course, we're just going to go, pornography is bad. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, but to me, even on a secular level, pornography comes in between, when it comes in between you and your natural relationships, yeah. when it comes in, when you would rather sit there and watch pornography than be intimate with your significant other, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I think that's where it creates that huge problem. It also creates some uh, unrealistic expectations Yeah, exactly. because a lot of people uh, in pornography that, I don't know, I, I always look at it like, there's, I don't know, I, I'm I don't want to get into it, I guess. Man, I'm starting to get uncomfortable. Right, I love it. Because I'm it's, just like, man, how can I say this on this podcast? Because there may be children listening, listening too, or younger people. Yeah. 
And of course, I don't want to be violent, crass, just because that's right. not it's the not person that life. I am. And it, it creates um, sex as a commodity, which it is not. And it also creates altered people. Yes. And a lot of times, what they show in pornography, I mean, honestly, is stuff that is borderline rape. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of things in there. But anyway, but once again, another rabbit trail that we ran down. <laughs> but, but it is true, though. Right. You know, um, no, I don't want to smack somebody on the butt. And now they're ready. I mean, that's a that's not realistic. But right. if that's what you think is realistic, yeah. then that puts you in a position or a, a false belief that that that's normal. Yeah. And it's not normal right. when somebody tells you no to harass them until they say yes, right. or to to put them in a position where they say yes, and now all of a sudden they're good with it. Right. Because all of those things are forms of rape. And I look back at a lot of the porn I used to watch when I was, but actively using and a lot of the stuff i saw in that porn was stuff that just wouldn't fly in today's society or hopefully ever in society really so it creates unnatural norms and we've gotten off on this tangent talking about porn when (laughs) really thinking about the difference between dependence and addiction too like you always talk about you know and how you know you can be you can clarify if if i butcher this but this idea of coffee you know um that i can be dependent on having my caffeine in the morning um, but you know what, that, that, that caffeine does never come in between my relationships. It doesn't ever burn my life down around me. It actually it makes them better. better. Right, exactly. You know. And you think about an addiction, um, you will sacrifice everything to satisfy that need, whatever that is. And you see that all the time with people that are, that are unfortunately addicted to pornography. Right. Yeah, I always say uh, dependence is okay. Basically, it means that I've come to... My body's come to rely on something, to need something, that gives me a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. And I always throw caffeine in there, and people are like, does it really give you a better quality of life? And I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> not only that, but ask the people who know me uh, when they've been around me when I haven't had caffeine. Not only does it give me a better quality of life, it gives everybody else a better quality of life when I have caffeine also. Mm-hmm. Right? But either way, so we've traveled way, <laughs> way off, which is why I think I'm going to like doing yes. podcasts these way, awesome. this way. Is uh, I think we're going to be all over the place, and hopefully that will be entertaining yet informative for people that listen. Amen. Uh, this isn't going to be highly structured because I'm just not a highly structured person, and, and yeah, you don't strike me that way either. But basically, a hope dealer is somebody who's overcame something who in turn uses their unique perspective from overcoming something to feed into somebody else's life. Uh, I always talk about... I say that there is a, a victim stage, a th- survivor stage, and a thriver stage. And basically, in the victim stage, somebody walks around and they're like, man, I, they, they keep it inside. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine that person who just got their diagnosis of right. cancer. Right. And they don't want to share it with people because they don't know what people are going to say. They don't know what people mm-hmm. are going to think. And at the end of the day, they really don't understand why it happened. Now, the survivor stage, I actually start letting people see it, and I talk yeah. about it, but it, at the end of the day, I still don't know why it happened. Mm. You know, um, I have a, a node that they found on my uh, lungs, mm-hmm. and I smoked multiple packs a day for several decades. I smoked for about 25, 26 years. And for some of those times I mean I was probably smoking three packs a day because I'd have a cigarette in my hand a cigarette burning in the living room and a cigarette burning in the kitchen right Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what we do and uh, they found this node and I remember talking to people about it and this is the 
thriver stage mm-hmm. that I'm going to describe is people would come up to me that I was really close to and be, be like, man, we'll pray for we'll, We want to pray for you that it's not cancer. Mm-hmm. And every time I would tell them, no, I'm like, I don't want you to pray that it's not cancer. Uh-huh. I want you to pray that God's will is done through this. Um, because at the end of the day, the thriver stage is where I take these things that have happened to me and I, I, I sit there and I, grind it up into compost and I use it to fertilize other people's lives that are going through the same thing. Now, maybe there was a way that I could help somebody through that diagnosis, Mm -hmm. you know, like my addiction. I have, you know, why did I overcome my addiction? Because literally in the survivor stage, you're literally sitting there looking at it going, oh my God, this sucks. Why did this happen to me? Because life sucks and then you die. Uh, because I, I'm never lucky. Because things never work out for me. Because God's out to get me. You know, whatever those yeah. reasons are that you throw out there, you still don't know why. The thriver stage is when you figure out why. And that's part of being a hope dealer. Mm-hmm. I went through these things because I was strong enough to overcome them and then share that hope with other people. Right? Yeah. And it that. doesn't matter what you've overcame as long as you have that willingness to use your story and your outcome, how you, you know, how you went through it, how you overcame it and how you're living your day, living your best life today with other people. I agree. Like, um, so it's super important to me. Um, she told me once, she said, uh, Josh, your story is your gift. And um, there's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, and it says, it's verse 13, it says, Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. And I love that scripture because it's this idea that once we've overcome something in our life and and we come up against somebody that that is um, experiencing something similar, we can say, I know how to get this through this. I did it. Follow me. You can do this. You know what? I can help you be strong because I have walked through this. And um, like I said, we can use our stories, our gift to, give hope to others. Right. I love that, man. Absolutely. So, so that's where I am at on that. Um, is I'm not creating an army. We're all creating an army of hope dealers. Yeah. Right? Because this isn't something where I'm like, hi, my name's David and I'm the one person that's uniquely qualified to teach somebody how to be a hope dealer. Um, because I think most of us are. You know, I, I mean, for the longest time, like when I first uh, became a therapist, Right. I was going to fix people. Mm. (laughs) And and as you can guess, that that blew up on me very quickly because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it's not broken people. Well, it is. But you know what I mean? It's not really broken people that I can make better. Right. Um, I generally don't do anything. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, I teach people how to use tools that they already have that they've forgotten how to use. Mm. That's really what we do. I don't fix people. People fix themselves. Right. Now, I can give them encouragement, and I can give them a little guidance, uh-huh. but at the end of the day, uh, what does Michael King say? Uh, if you don't have passion wedded to commitment, you're always going to fall short, mm, so you know, cool. because I can come across with tons of passion. I mean, yeah. uh, between you and me, uh-huh. I'm not going to lie, I think we have a swimming pool full of charisma, right? and we can share that passion with somebody else, but if they're not actually committed yeah. to doing something, it's really not going to matter. Right. Um, that said... I can't give other people passion. I think passion is something you either have or you don't. That's good. You know, what do you think? I mean, can I sit there and rub off on a passionless person? I think they've got to have that spark to begin somewhere. with. Yeah, they got to have that spark somewhere. And I think we're all 
passionate about different things. And so if you can find that vein where they're passionate, you know, honestly, it takes me back to um, back in the day when I was in sales so much. My, uh, my job in selling whatever I was going to sell was to uh, find a need and fill it. And so my goal was, was asking questions to the potential customer was, um, what is it they really want? What is it they really need? What, what is it that really gets them going? And to find that need and to fill it. Um, and um, I think that everybody in some level, in some vein, somewhere has that passion. It's being able to tap into it and, um, and be able to speak to that passion in their life. Um, and it's not on the same scale and it's not always in the same spots. But I think, yeah, I think most people have passion somewhere. And um, <clears throat> hopelessness um, tends to be the vacuum that sucks that passion out. Yeah, now I might be able to help somebody find that spark. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, yeah. I would agree with that 100% because I definitely think that's something we can do. Yep. You know, find what somebody else is interested in because there are multiple pathways to recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and yours probably doesn't look exactly like mine, just like mine probably doesn't look exactly like, Right. Um, I don't know, Joe Boo. Right. Uh, <laughs> The God. I love that guy. <laughs> what was he? The, 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 the was he a Haitian or Jamaican God in a major league? Oh, 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 yes. Yeah, Joe Wu oh, that he had yeah. in his oh, locker. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. I don't know. That name just popped into my head. I so, love it. anyway, um, but yeah. So we've got to sit there and help people figure out what sparks them. Yep. You know, agree. where's their hope at? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my hope is in a better life at the end of the day, but. I know, you know, I have a hope that comes from, well, you know, all 12 stuff it. I have a hope that comes from my higher power that I choose to call Jesus, um, <laughs> you know. Yes. But, but I do have that, that spark of hope that came from that, but I also have a spark of hope that came from surrounding myself with positive people who were doing positive things mm. and seeing how amazing their lives became. Right. You know, right. Um, finding those people who are living the life that I wanted in five years. Mm-hmm. So which, good. which is why eventually, I mean, I stepped out of 12-step meetings and I stopped having a sponsor mm. uh, because I'm one of those people that I'm told don't exist uh, mm. because I tell people I'll never use again and to which they always tell me, well, you can't, you can't promise, no you know, you can't, you can't say what you're not going to do tomorrow. You have mm. absolutely no idea what you're going to do tomorrow and I kind of do. You know, mm-hmm. I have so many different things to live for. That's mm-hmm. like me looking at you and going, uh, tomorrow you're going to strangle your daughter. <laughs> well, I never strangle my daughter. Oh, you can't guarantee. No, no. You can't tell me what you're not going to do tomorrow. Right. You know, um, you, I don't know. You're going to start, uh, you're going to go from being heterosexual to homosexual or from homosexual to heterosexual tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah. No, I don't think so. I think this is the way I'm created and th- these are things that I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you... I'm with my wife. I'm attracted to my wife. I will never cheat on my wife. Um, I will never do anything to intentionally harm my children. I will never do anything to knowingly ingest a substance that could make me lose my wife, my children, and all these other things. Mm. And it's because I have things I do every day. It's because I have a gratitude list that happens every morning. It's because I have some daily readings. I mean, right right now I think I'm going through two different uh, plans, Uh you know, on my... uh, I don't know. It's like Bible.com or whatever. But, you know, I've got two different plans that I'm going through uh, uh, on a daily basis Uh on there, um, working to build a better life. You know, uh, 
trying to address some things that I may struggle with. Sure. You know, one of those things is my prayer life. And mm-hmm. the other one that I'm going through right now is uh, kind of looking at why negative things happen. Mm. Just right? in general in the world? And understanding. Well, no, not just or in the you. world, but in our lives. Okay. You know, why, why do these horrible things happen to me whenever I'm supposed to have this great life? But now mm. we're going to get off on a whole Bible discussion. <laughs> and that's just... No, I was, I was We're not going to do it. that at the time. <laughs> I know, I see you over there, like, rubbing your hands, getting excited. Uh, you know, but I say all of that to say that uh, that I got to a point where that wasn't a concern so I ended up trading in my sponsor for a mentor because I say we should always have somebody yeah. that we're working with who, who literally has the life we want in three to five years. And it got mm-hmm. to the point where I looked around meetings that I was going to and I didn't find somebody whose life I wanted in three to five years. That's good. You know, I'm yeah. like, uh, and, and there's, my recovery, of course, is different than other people's right. recovery. Yep, and I love you that. Know. Yeah, for me, um, you know, I showed up. I got my one-year chip. I got my two-year chip. Maybe my three, and that's the only meetings I've ever been to. You know, my recovery looked totally different than what you would expect. You know, God just rocked my world in that airport, and uh, it cha- literally changed me from the inside out. Um, and uh, so I, I, I totally get that the recovery paths looking different. Yeah, like for me, I wanted to be a better dad and a better husband, and mm-hmm. I wanted to start my own nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So I looked around and just so happens I knew this amazing guy mm-hmm. who had an amazing nonprofit and was an awesome dad and an awesome husband. And I'm like, you, yeah. you, yeah. we need to meet for coffee uh-huh. um, regularly um, so that I can figure out how you do what you do because mm-hmm. I want to do it. I think of uh, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith yeah. oh, where he looks yeah. at that dude's car and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, how'd you get the car? Okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's true, though. If you have passion wedded to commitment, yeah, you know, I mean, if you haven't read it, look up the article that uh-huh. Michael King wrote for Medium uh-huh. uh, that was on passion and commitment. And at the end of the day, you need both. If you don't have both, right. you know, if you have passion without commitment, then you're going to be like, yeah, and you're going to have this fire that burns super bright and then burns out. Right. Exactly. And if you have commitment and no passion, you're going to burn out on it, too, because you're going to show up and do it, but you really don't like to do it. I think of, uh, do you remember the old donut commercial? Time to make the donuts. <laughs> right? I, I mean, that dude, did he say that. it like he was excited? He's no. like, yeah, I get to make donuts, donuts today. Yeah. He's like, time to make <laughs> the, the donuts. Right. And, and a lot of times, that's how people live their lives. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's one thing I think we're kind of blessed to do is I think we both work our passion. Yep, I agree. And that's pretty stinking amazing. Uh, I heard somebody once say, and if I had a memory, I could actually quote who it was. But they said, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So true. I think it's Henry Ford or, yeah, I don't know. or somebody. I don't know. Probably Abraham Lincoln. What's uh, actually, uh, my favorite Abraham Lincoln quote is the one, um, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. <laughs> That's perfect. That makes That's so my favorite sense. Abraham it Lincoln does, quote right? ever. Uh, Passion. <laughs> I derail. Oh, I love it. I love, I love, you know what? I love that you use the word derail too, because I'm going to talk about guardrails with passion and commitment. And you talked about having a mentor, and in my life, I have accountability partners. Different well, words, you need same both. thing. Yeah, and it's um, I even having a call tonight, and these guys have been so great at being guardrails in my life as I, as I, as I talk about what's going on in my life, as I talk about the things that I'm struggling with, and, and having these people that want to keep me accountable, and um, they they are people that I look up to. They're the people that 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 have have made the right choices in this life, and um, it has been invaluable for me to have that. 
Yeah, I actually think people need both. I see them yeah. as different. Okay. You know, so. um, I see... I, I like sports analogies, right? And That's I do fair. this thing called the locker room. Oh, here we are. Uh, once again, Enjoy. if you... Uh, if you haven't found read about it, I'll, I'll, I'll promote it. Buy the book, Hope Dealer, <laughs> by David Stoker. It's a chapter in there. Yes. But basically, uh, in the locker room, I talk about a mentor, your sponsor, is like a coach. That's good. And your accountability partners are your teammates, Ooh. right? Because your teammates want to hold you up. They want you to do well because if I'm playing baseball or basketball mm-hmm. or hockey or soccer or blah, 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 whatever that sport may be, uh-huh. um, that coach is going to show me those plays and he's going to – run me and my teammates through it, but my teammates are going to help build me up because at the end of the day, my teammates want to win, uh, right? And if they want to win, then they're going to help me get up to that point too, just like I'm going to hold them to the higher standard too. I stand corrected, sir. Right? That's awesome. So so I've always seen it as a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, uh, they also used to call them accountability buddies, <laughs> <laughs> which I always got a kick out of. You're like, no, mine are accountability <laughs> partners. Dang partners. it. <laughs> yeah, you're in the Ozarks now, yeah, not right, in Arizona. Yeah, right, very manly. <laughs> I am the partners. <laughs> too much. So, yeah. So, I used to have a couple accountability partners, and I've kind of sh- I- I've lost them over the years. But, I mean, I used to have a couple of them, and I'd meet them for coffee once a week. We'd uh-huh. sit down, yeah. drink coffee. Here's how your day goes. Uh-huh. Here's how mine went. I had people at, at church. I had people at meetings. I had, you know, um, hey, if I don't show up, mm-hmm. give me a call. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and ask me how I'm doing. And let me know somebody cares because that accountability partner also lifts me up. And I let them know things like, listen, I have major depressive episodes Mm -hmm. because of uh, my bipolar disorder. And I will go from on top of the world to I'm not getting out of bed for anything because nobody cares about me. If I died, nobody would miss me. And to have to miss a meeting and have three people call me on the phone telling me, hey, we missed you. Is everything okay?" And one person knocking on my door. Yeah. That one really hacked me off. Yeah, He's like, we need to go here? out for coffee. And I'm like, dude, I'm sick. I swear <laughs> to God, I am not depressed. I'm sick. I don't care. Come Put on, on a coat and some <laughs> shoes. We're going to get coffee. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Made me realize that there's people out there who care about me. You know, in the drug world, I always say, uh, man, I mean, yeah, I had friends. Uh, I, I probably had friends that would have taken a bullet for me. Mm-hmm. But for the right amount of money, they probably would have put a bullet in me. Right, absolutely. And those friends, it was amazing. Uh, You know, if you want to know who your real friends are, spend a couple weeks in jail and count the number of people that visit you every week and put money on your books every week. I found out I had none. I went to prison for 16 months, and Uh I was visited by nobody other than family. I got letters from nobody other than family, except for uh, I was at Boonville back in the day, open bays, Mm -hmm. bunks. and uh, the guy that I shared a bunk with, he, his sister would write me letters. Wow. You know, my friends wouldn't, but this no. girl I didn't even know yeah. would write me letters just because I wasn't getting any other than the letters I got from my sister. Like, my sister sent one every single day. Wow. Like, religiously, wow. daily. I, I got one every single day, and come Monday, I'd get a couple. Mm. You know, it was amazing. Um, and my mom and dad on occasion, and that was it. Yeah. You know, I mean, gone over a year and people could have cared less. Right. Sitting in county jail, people could have cared less. Right. Um, and here we are talking about a hope dealer, and we've gone from a, a hope dealer to porn back to hope dealer. Oh, this is um, the best. And now we're on we're in jail. friends in jail, and the fact that, you know what, maybe those friends weren't that great after all. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I always think of... Uh, 
I don't like country music, uh-huh. um, but whenever I worked uh, at a residential treatment facility, when somebody was getting ready to complete, they played a graduation, they picked a song, uh-huh. and during that song, people would write them letters and notes and give them those notes so that they could take them home, like words uh-huh. of encouragement and stuff like that. And one of, uh-huh. back then, um, a couple of the big ones, of course, Only God Knows Why, uh-huh. Kid Rock, um, great, actually pretty good song yeah. about... Um, getting your butt kicked, but Rascal Flatts, uh, the song "Moving On." That song was picked I, all the time. Yeah, somebody showed that to me not too long ago. I'm not a country fan either, so it was yeah, it was great. And there's a line in that song where he's talking about my, his friends, and he says, "They mean me no harm, but they'll never allow me to change." Woo! Isn't that good? And for me, man, that man, my friends, we, I had some amazing friends. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I'm not sitting there drinking with them and going out and having fun with them the same way that they mm-hmm. like to have fun, then I'm really not that interesting to right. them. You know what's funny is I was at a bonfire a couple months ago, and this was at some old, old friends of mine, and uh, it's crazy that there were people that still came up to me at that bonfire and said, you can just have one beer, right, Josh? You can just have one. Why don't you just have one? And it's insane to me that they these people saw me burn my life down around me, and they would still think that that's right. okay. That is insane. Yeah. And that also is bringing us close to the end of a half hour. So Woo! I'm thinking that flew by pretty quickly. Um, we're going to figure out another topic to talk about. And uh, I think we'll probably, you won't know this because you'll be, have a broken up, but we'll probably record a couple more today just because I think we're on a roll. On a roll. And it, when you're rolling. <laughs> okay, going back to terminology. Okay. <laughs> but when you're on a roll, um, it's a good thing to make sure you stay hydrated. Anyway, um, little harm reduction tip there. Amen. Uh, but no, when you're on a roll, maybe you should keep running with it. And I think this is kind of fun. I would love feedback from you guys. Yeah. Um, and let me know how you like having two instead of just one uh, talking. Because, I mean, I kind of have Josh as a... As a captive on occasion, because he'll be at the, here at the center with me, so I think maybe we'll just do these topics. So if you like it, let me know, um, and also send me some, send us some ideas for some topics to talk about, and we will continue. Uh, any parting words for people to take with them this week as they walk through their work week? Um, if you have complaints directing towards David Stoker, any compliments I will take. Thank you. Um, and for me, let's see. Uh, you know, if you're just starting out, what really worked for me was asking myself a couple questions. And I have people talk about this now at the center. They ask a question sometimes. They're like, hey, can I bring my kids with me to something that you're doing? Mm-hmm. And I always say this. If your kid shouldn't be here, you probably shouldn't either. Amen. Don't do anything this week that you wouldn't want your kid to see and you wouldn't want your kid to do when they get older. Right? Perfect. So ask yourself that question. If my kid was standing right in front of me, was standing right beside me right now, would I do this? And then ask yourself, uh, is this something I would want them to do when they grow up? Mm. And if you hold the same faith as I do, if Jesus is standing right next to you, would you do this? Uh, Because if you have the same faith that I do, you don't have to pretend that he's standing next to you because he probably walks next to you every day. Amen. But take those two questions or three questions and apply them to your life. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. We'll talk to you next week. In closing, I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. 
please join us every week for new episodes. If you want to connect with us further, if you have any questions, topics you'd like to hear in the future, or maybe you would like to be on the podcast sometime, you can connect with us at betterlifeandrecovery.com. Uh, there's the Better Life and Recovery page on Facebook, or you can, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, B-L-I-R underscore N-P-O. Also, this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the network at studiodna.media. Thanks a lot. Y'all have a great week. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. <laughs>